All right, you're back in the DFSR. It's an NFL podcast on the Overtime Media Network, broadcasting live from the Vivid Seats Lounge. I'm Doug Norrie, and over there is... Chris Durrell. That is not James Davis on the other side of the dial here. That is Chris Durrell. James took the week off um, before conference championship week, decided to go skiing, so he's on the bunny slopes or something right now somewhere with his family <laughs> doing, doing whatever he's doing. So Chris was nice enough to jump on, take his time to cover for James, who will dock, we'll dock his pay for a week for, taking, for not just waiting one more week when there's no football going on, uh, deciding to go with a family vacation this week. We'll dock his pay for a week. Chris is going to help break down a two-game conference slate here for the conference championship slate uh, after following, I mean, an absolutely crazy weekend of, of football. I, if you had told me, I mean, just look at Lamar Jackson's line from last week, and would you have thought, I mean, how much of your life savings and just like future earnings would you have bet on the Baltimore winning if you knew just he had just put up 500 total yards? I mean, forget even winning. Like, what, was, what would be the point total you would have assigned the Ravens if you knew he was going to put up 500 total yards? You know what I mean? Yeah, like 70. <laughs> That's what I mean. Like, maybe they lost, yeah, maybe they lost 55 to 50 or something like that. It's yeah. Like, the, the fact they put up 12 points is absolutely nuts. I, you know, what's your, we'll, we'll get into these games in a second, but are you with me? I, I, I couldn't even be on Twitter. Twitter's so insufferable sometimes, uh, or mostly all the time if you're doing anything else but just information gathering, but... Like, the anti-Lamar, you could tell people were just waiting for this, right? Like, the, waiting for Lamar Jackson to lose a game so they could just jump in with, like, these stupid I told you so's. And we're going to get to Derrick Henry in yep. a second, too, so I'm, I'm going to save that one. But, like, does that make you crazy like it makes me? Should it make me this crazy about, like, the Lamar hate? Like, the guy's awesome. Like, he lost the game. Are you with me here? Please say you are, because otherwise we're going to stop the podcast and I'll just do the rest of it solo. We can keep the podcast going. I 100% agree with you. I actually, you know, when it comes to watching the games on Sunday, I pay attention to Twitter leading up to the week. I want to get the news. I want to get all the information. Who's on what player? Who maybe is going to be lower owned for DFS? That sort of thing. Prop bets, that sort of thing. But as soon as the game starts, I'm, I am I have to shut off Twitter. I, I literally do. I didn't completely during the Vikings game, but I, I pretty much on a given any given week, I have to shut off Twitter just because the takes are crazy. And then even especially after the game, because, yeah, I agree with you. Uh, it, it's one loss after like a monumental MVP season where he was breaking records left and right. The Titans came in with an amazing game plan, you know, to, I, I don't want to say shut him down, but shut them down as a team. Um, and, and that wasn't even to do a lot with, you know, controlling the clock. Just um, Derek Henry obviously went off, but yeah, I'm, I'm not all for that hate on Lamar. I think he's still going to have a great season next year. Yeah, yeah, it's just like, oh, it's just my fault for logging. I know what I'm getting into. I'm not it's like shining for it. I'm like, and, and I'm inviting it, I guess, probably more than anything else, because it's just my fault. Shame on me for shame on me for in, in going in there. And then we get, you know, San Francisco handles your Vikings pretty easily. Um, I don't know if you, I don't know if that game made you crazy too. I, the the Vikings. I mean, what you? We're, we just we're gonna spend like two minutes on these these games from last weekend. But the Vikings game plan. I get that San Francisco is a great defense, but man, the, like, what were they? What was going on here? Yeah, first of all, I got to give a lot of credit to San Francisco. There, there's a balance between their offensive line and defensive line in the trenches there where things start was absolutely amazing. But what really frustrated me more than anything, not so much Kirk Cousins, which that did frustrate me a lot, more than that was Stefanski's game plan. I think it was like seven of the first nine drives were all runs on, or seven, yeah, seven of the first nine were runs on first down for like 2.1 yards per carry. Kept doing that dumb sweep. 
starting cook in the backfield four yards behind when you're against elite D line that's you know breaking through that D line like we're obviously not getting any blocking with our offensive line uh, I say our as if I'm part of the Vikings team definitely not so that really frustrated me even when they were down they weren't throwing they had that one long throw to Diggs it worked they got a touchdown they kind of went away from that and they kept doing these two and three yard throws and stupid runs so yeah I, I'm over it now I was really happy at the end of the day um, to see Stefanski go to Cleveland. Uh, it's going to be a lot of Baker yelling at uh, Stefanski on the sidelines this upcoming season. I'm really going to enjoy that. And then obviously Casey uh, comes back, crazy comeback against Houston, which was justified. I mean, justified unbelievable odds. I was like watching the game and then my wife kind of came into the room and I was like, man, this game's out of hand. It's a 21 nothing at this point. And then I got like a cup of coffee she went and did something, came back. She like, how's the game going? I was like, well, Casey's winning somehow. <laughs> it was like four, six minutes later, or six minutes of real time later or something like that. It was really just absolutely nuts. We'll get into the Casey part, part of that here shortly. Let me hit a sponsor real quick, and then we'll get into, uh, we'll get into the two games this weekend. I think there was some, there's some, definitely some DFS angles that we can take here, obviously limited player pool, and uh, you know, we just get into this part of the season where you're going to have to just make some maybe tough choices. And I, it's, it's weird from a DFS perspective because – some of these teams, there's not even all that DFS relevant outside of a guy or two, which is making this week definitely interesting. Let's hit a sponsor. Got to hear about Omax Health. If you're living with chronic pain, uh, chronic pain is the absolute worst as a guy that's kind of dealt with some back issues over the years. Uh, the discomfort, it can affect your whole life and just be straight up annoying. So that's just like make you just stop doing everyday normal things like exercise. I, my guess is a lot of people out there are kind of dealing with this uh, on some level, but Omax Health can have you covered. They, uh, if you're looking to get rid of that nagging muscle joint pain immediately and then provide some long-lasting recovery, you got to try the natural breakthrough pain relief solution, CryoFreeze CBD Roll-On. It's a non-prescription triple-action pain relief roll-on. It's specially formulated to block pain receptors, reduce that inflammation, and improve muscle and joint flexibility. The best part, 100% natural CBD. So um, this is the other thing in the new world we're living in where this hundred, this, all this, you know, gone are the days sometimes where it's like, oh, you got to get surgery. You got to do all this stuff. You got to start taking these crazy over-the-counter pills or prescription pills. Now, CBD, 100% natural, works with its magic within 10 minutes. So you roll it on 10 minutes later. That relieves lasting up to eight hours, longer than even some of that over-the-counter stuff. Omax Health right now for the listeners of this podcast is offering 20% off a full bottle of CryoFreeze CBD pain relief roll-on. The shipping is included in that also. And then uh, it also applies to any other product site-wide. So you got to go Omax Health. That's O-M-A-X Health.com and use the promo code OVERTIME, like the, the network we're on. So Omax Health.com, promo code OVERTIME. You get that 20% off. You get the CryoFreeze CBD if you want that or really anything else on the site. Go check it out. Well, it's a new world, man. The pain relief not like the old days when we were playing soccer and it was like you threw that icy hot on and you know guys would get absolutely nuts with the icy hot. They guys get, get crazy with the icy hot. Now that's over now, man. CBD oil is the way to check it out. So omaxhealth.com, promo code overtime, and you're good to go. All right, we got two games on the slate this weekend. Uh, I, okay, I guess we'll just get it out of the way. Derek Henry, I, like, man, if you, and there were some people, I'm not going to say their names on Twitter because I don't like, like to give a lot of pub to other people, but if you went out on a limb for Derek, against Derrick Henry over these last couple weeks because you thought like it was an outlier thing, you really were getting absolutely flamed. I know this is a Twitter show. What are your thoughts here on Henry? I like, oh man, I feel like, I feel like it's just another bad take central because it feels like this is just not consistent or not sustainable. Excuse me, it's consistent but not sustainable. But, I mean, can you really run him out there again in cash? 
Yeah, go ahead. What are your thoughts here on Henry? I'm, I'm like flummoxed by it because mostly because I understand math. It's insane. It's absolutely insane. Um, how? When was the last time we've seen a running back? First of all, well, never. 180 yards or more rushing in three straight games. He's had 30 or more carries. So they are fully committed to just handing him the ball and letting him go over and over and over again. And what I what I see here is that all three of those games were on the road. Um, one of them was against New England, who is, I believe, they were top five. Yeah, sixth six DVOA defense. Uh, you know, against the rush. You think it has to come to an end, but he's now getting one of his best matchups. Um, KC's <laughs> uh, 29th right. in DVOA against the rush. So, I mean, I could definitely see it going, but I guess if you're on the whole, you want to fade the ownership because the ownership's going to be crazy. It's a two game slate. Um, he's getting the best matchup, you know, after three weeks of dominating, he's now getting a plus matchup here. This could be a week where I guess if you're a GPP player, you want to go heavy contrarian, um, that sort of thing in the Millie makers on either of the sites or whatever. This could be a week you could fade them. I don't think I can personally do that just because of like what I just said with a better matchup and just their ability. They're just going to hand him the ball 25 plus times, almost guaranteed right off the bat. Yeah, see, this is the problem, right? Because we have three weeks. Well, forget Houston because they, they, that defense is not on the same level as the New England and Baltimore piece of it. But we have three weeks. I went back and looked. I, a quick query. The, over the last five years, there's only been 30 times where a running back has rushed the ball 30 times or more. Derrick Henry has 10% of those just in the last three weeks. <laughs> so, like, he, yeah, again, 30 times total playoffs in regular season over the last five years. And Henry has, has, has three of the 30. Like, this is, uh, this is what I mean about, like, so, you know, outliers versus, um, you know, signal and noise and all this stuff, whatever, however you want to just kind of couch the analytics debate here. It just, what we can agree on is this kind of, at least usage, just doesn't happen, right? So let's just start there. For all the games that have been played in that timeline, the, the 30 carries piece rarely happens once. Forget three times in a row. And... I hear you because now it's like, well, if we're ever going to kind of throw a guy into the teeth of being an underdog on the road, this would kind of be the time to do it because KC is easily the worst of that group against the run. They were one of the worst teams in football against the run. So, man, I, this, is so, so, I, this is so close for me. If you couldn't fit them in the same game, if you can't fit them both, right? Because like with, with two-game slates, you're going to you're gonna have to really make some concessions around cash games. If you can't fit them both, 9,800 for Henry, 9,500 for Mahomes on FanDuel. Uh, DraftKings, 7,700 for Mahomes, 8,700 for Henry. I do feel like you're in a situation where you're probably just going to have to choose one or the other because I just don't think you can fit both salaries. There's just not, the player pool is not big enough. Do you just trust, do you trust Henry more than Mahomes? This one, I think, is the, this actually really just this one-to-one. -one, I know they play different positions. This one-to-one -one feels like at least the cash game decision of the weekend. I, I really feel that KC, well, obviously they're the favorite here. I do think they're going to come out on top. You know, just looking at some props even, they got Mahomes um, at minus 120 for both the over and under, and his passing yards there is sitting at 303.5 yards. Um, I feel that Mahomes is probably a little bit safer um, being the quarterback as the home favorite. I That sounds weird coming off of three straight 180-plus rushing games, 30-plus carries, but – in my own lineup construction before we started this podcast, I kind of put together a couple lineups. And it is tough because once you get down to those lower end guys, you know, the safety really drops off the table after maybe the top two at each position kind of thing, which kind of makes sense. It's only two games. But I made a lineup with both. Um, 
and in showdowns as well. I play a lot of cash in showdowns, and no matter which one I go with as captain or even in just the main two-game slate cash games, I really like my lineup with both of them in the lineup. So I really think that I'm going to be running both, and especially in that correlation in the same game. Maybe and, – and- and maybe the maybe I may, maybe that's the wrong decision. Maybe it's like maybe it's like Derrick Henry or Travis Kelsey, right? Because at some point, at some point, there's you know because Kelsey's a guy that for us in our system right now is showing up in 100 percent of lineups, whereas Henry's not showing up in any of them. Now I will say that our system is predicated on things besides just the usage. One thing that really dings running backs, at least in our system, is you know your Vegas line because we talked about this many times in the podcast. Is that Vegas lines are typically. Uh, correlated with running back usage for good or for bad. And, and that's just the very simple thing is the, if you're a, a, a favorite going into the game, the running backs are expected to get more runs. Uh, and then if you're an underdog, the, the expectation on the run is, is much less. And that's just for reasons that most football fans can figure out. If you're, under, if you're an underdog, it means you're usually just playing from behind and therefore passing more or just getting fewer opportunities in general because you're the worst team. This one, Henry, again, has bucked the, bucked the trend on this one each time because they've been like almost double-digit underdogs. Uh, I guess they were seven and a half to the, you know, double-digit underdogs or, or just you know, way outside the zone where we'd even consider it. Because like our system doesn't spend too much time trying to figure out those plus threes and minus threes. There's not really much correlation around there. It's really when you get into the minus six, plus six and beyond, that's the number where the, the numbers really start kicking in. And that's where he's been the last two weeks. And again, it hasn't freaking mattered. So this one, he's getting dinged in our system because of that. And if there was ever a guy that I was just going to turn that multiplier off for, it's Henry, right? Like, like there's, I almost never do this. I never take this multiplier and just say, in this one instance, turn this off. Because a process like that over the long term will, will, will lose you more money than it will win, right? Like most people want to say, oh, well, he's, the, he's the exception to the rule. Dude, do you know how many exceptions to the rule there are? Almost none. <laughs> <laughs> like this is like that's why this that's why that's why stats exist this way. I don't know. Does that make sense what I'm saying? Because this is my this is my biggest struggle here for the weekend. Yeah, hundred percent. And you you also mentioned Kelsey versus Henry maybe being the better um, you know pick one and definitely Henry for me. I mean, when it comes to tight end, you've got Kelsey and Kittle sitting there at the top. There's a big price difference, thirteen hundred dollars on DraftKings. They're both questionable. I get that Kelsey's been better here lately. Um, he's coming off a monster game with three touchdowns, but. On this smaller slate with, you know, very comparable talent between the two of them, both home favorites here. Um, I definitely will take Kittle at that $1,300 discount so that I can get up to Henry or even a little bit lower. Uh, tight ends kind of a spot I would even consider punting or even going with two tight ends like uh, pairing Kittle with, say, uh, John O. Smith kind of thing in that uh, Tennessee KC game as well. For cash, definitely yeah, for so- cash. And that's and that's what it is, right? Like we're coming off a Kelsey week too, where like Kelsey was easily he broke the slate on his own as well, right? Like he just put up a monster game, even sat out a couple series, and still just had no problem, just absolutely dominating. He was a guy that was like basically a must for our system, and I, I'm with it that Henry is probably safer. Look, the price difference on the two of them is enough. It's ninety eight, at least on Fanduel, ninety eight hundred to seventy eight hundred is a is a demonstrable difference. So I guess maybe the comparison isn't one to one. And maybe you just say to yourself, look, there's three. Maybe this is more of what it is. There's three guys to me that are, if any of them were sixty percent higher owned, and I didn't have one of them, I would feel start feeling very worried in cash. And I think that would be Mahomes, Henry, and Kelsey. And so maybe you just start the build this weekend by saying, I'm just going to take my lumps at one of these other positions, like at wide receiver, right? And just say, like, I just can't play Tyree Kill, or I can't play Devontae Adams, 
or like that's, uh, and I'm okay, and I'm going to have to maybe just wing in a prayer a guy like Corey Davis or one of these like KC guys like Robinson or Harvard, right? Does that make sense? Maybe, th- maybe that's the line of thinking I should be taking instead of the, maybe, because maybe if we're only discussing these three guys, then maybe those are just the three guys and just take your lumps elsewhere. Yeah, and you know, I've, I think you can get three of those top guys in a lineup easily. Like you, like you said, you're going to have to take your lumps somewhere. Um, and what I found is you can get Mahomes, Henry, and either maybe not Kelsey, but Kittle or Tyree Kill. You can get two, three of those four guys into a lineup, and I still feel comfortable about it just because the pricing is a little bit softer just because it is a two-game slate. Like you can get um, Mostert at 4,300. He's very cheap. Or you're looking at wide receiver. I mean, Sammy Watkins isn't safe, but he's only 4,600. He's used to being in the 55 to 6K. And I'm talking DraftKings here. Um, and then, you know, looking at the running back, like you got two really at the top. I mean, Aaron Jones is more of a GPP play to me going up against San Francisco, but you got Williams there as well, who got a lot of work um, in that KC backfield as well. So he's kind of a secondary play outside of those three or four top guys that we talked about. And, and I want to make one more distinction here. This is this is a little bit more on FanDuel. It's much it's much more difficult on DraftKings, I think, to get these three guys. It's actually hard to just even get two of them, honestly, because the DraftKings pricing is a, is a lot tighter. And so I, I think I, I'm going to want to prioritize at least two of them. The part where you start locking in Henry, Mahomes, and Kelsey – Actually, actually, real quick, just see how even possible it is. I, this is I, the Fanduel one was doable. The DraftKings one, yeah, maybe you're not taking as big a hit as I thought you were, right? Because it's still the same thing. You're still just get. You're, you're still just. You're gonna have to rock one of these cheap wide receivers. Like maybe you're gonna have to say, okay, it's the Tajay Sharp day, and I just hope that he gets three targets, right? And catches um, two, or, or you know, and, and catches two, or maybe I just take the zero. Maybe I'm just okay with the zero here, right? It's two games, and this is. Again, the floors on three of these guys are so much higher than anybody else. And I hate to be repetitive here, but it does seem like the theme of the weekend. The floors of these guys are so much higher respected to anyone else in the position and probably just anyone else on the slate in general that more than any other week, you're just going to have to prioritize. So if you, so, okay, so I think we covered, maybe I think we covered the dynamics around starting these cash game builds. After these guys, on the Tennessee, like, do you have any sense of where you'd like to go on the Tennessee side. The passing game, we have no idea. The passing game is almost a total mystery because for as much as Henry's run the ball, Tannehill has not thrown the ball. And so He's we only have like 15 general passes targets of the last two weeks. <laughs> that, that, cra- it's, it's crazy. And last week, I think, he, I think he threw, oh, I had the number in front of me before. He threw something like, and I apologize, I had this in front of me. I wrote it in the article. I wrote it in our cash game article, and I just don't have it right in front of me. Oh, here we go. Yeah, he had 14, last week he had 14 pass attempts to eight different guys. So it's not even like he, it's not even like of those 14, he keyed in on, you know, A.J. Brown or Tajay Sharp or Corey Davis or even John o. Smith. It's not like he keyed in on any of these guys. The most, the most targets was John o. Smith with three, and then seven other guys received two or one target. So it's like, so what, I don't even know what you do with that information. I, maybe you look at snaps, okay? So the snaps, A.J. Brown saw the most snaps. He saw 46 of the 54. Uh, and, they, and I will say the one thing with him is that they do try to get him into the running game, but he's not exactly cheap. Uh, not the running game, but they'll, they run these like sweep, sweeps of them once a game or something. Um, then Corey, Corey Davis had 41 of the uh, 54, and then it was a drop-off. And then you have the problem, Adam Humphreys is practicing in full this week. <laughs> so, like, I, like, you know what I mean? Like, this is, do you have a sense of where you'd want to go? Do you want to, you know, make a, a you know, sort of a gut-check call on any one of these guys, or is it just kind of too hard to know? Uh, for cash games, I, outside of Henry, 
I, I do like Corey Davis, like you mentioned, using him as a punt. I mean, it's really tough to – they do like targeting him, in you know, in the end zone towards the red zone sort of thing. It's a lot cheaper than, than A.J. Brown. And, I mean, if we're going to have that cloud over the team, like you said, the eight different receivers on 14 targets or 14 pass attempts last week, we don't really know where it's going. I'll take the huge discount and go with Corey Davis or even, like, Tajay Sharp, like you said. Or If we take a zero, I think that's fine if we can get – Kelsey, Mahomes, and Henry all in one lineup together. Um, I think that makes a lot of sense. Jonu Smith, possibly. Um, I would probably, I've been looking at a lot of, if I'm running Kelsey, Henry, and Mahomes, getting Jonu Smith in there at 3,400. This is on DraftKings, um, just as a second tight end, as another one of those punt kind of plays, either Corey Davis or Jonu Smith. I'm, I'm really torn between those two. It's kind of where I've, I've settled on for my uh, punt playing cash. Because, and there's also a very real scenario where, you know, Henry touches the ball, I mean, God, 20 times instead of 30, right? It still can be, it still can be effective on 20, 20 carries. Doesn't see much in the passing games. So you're never going to get anything there. But the, um, you know, there is a world where he touches the ball 20-plus times instead of 30. And then also where, you know, because by, by nature of what Tennessee's done, you are getting this passing game very cheap. Even Tannehill is very cheap. There's a world where Tannehill crushes this number if they're playing from behind, where they just have to throw... 30, 30 times because they're just down, and at some point you have to abandon the run. That's a very, very real possibility. I know it has not happened up until this point, and they've just generally avoided having to do that. But again, I, I'm, I'm still very much on the playing with borrowed time with this, with this, uh, with this overall just kind of strategy that they're using, because again, lo long historical data would say that this just doesn't happen. So 5,500 on Tannehill. I do think you'll see some ownership on him, possibly even in cash, because he's so cheap. This is on DraftKings, by the way. Uh, he's just so cheap on DraftKings, and I pe think people will talk themselves into a scenario where, okay, instead of throwing 15 times a game, he just has to throw 30, and now all of a sudden it's looking okay. Because I, I will say, in terms of our projections, we have Tannehill second, proje projected second overall in points this week. Uh, Aaron Rodgers being the third overall just because that San Francisco defense is so good. Does that feel, you look at that number, does that feel palatable? It feels weird to have Aaron Rodgers be the fourth highest projected quarterback on a slate, and I don't totally mind it because of just sort of like maybe how these games play out. Yeah, I mean, it's very close. I'm seeing here on DraftKings like Rodgers is two less than two points below Garoppolo and just over two points uh, behind Tannehill and raw projections. So I, I think that's fine just because, I mean, you're looking at the game scripts. I, like you said, long-term data suggests that they can't be running Henry 30 times for 180 yards. That's just not going to be sustainable. I see KC possibly winning this game, seven-point favorites. I mean, that has meant nothing the last two weeks, obviously, but... The, I think there's a really good chance, you know, if we're talking about odds here, the odds I think are good that Tennessee is going to be coming from behind and Tannehill's going to have to throw, you know, upwards of 20, 25, even possibly 30 times. So at that $5,500 price tag, $600 less than Rodgers on DraftKings, I think that makes sense from a points per dollar perspective, 100%. I like this minus seven and a half number. I think that people have gone a little too far on the Tennessee love. Um, because they've just had these two crazy weeks, these th basically three crazy weeks. There are so many ways where that Baltimore game just does not go the way the Tennessee. There's that that game. If you play that game out a hundred times, 
and you run all the exact same plays, not the results of the play, but just run the same plays. I know that, I know that would end up stopping because like certain plays would go, and then all of a sudden like the whole game script changes. Change. So whatever. Oh my God, this there's no way Tennessee wins. Like I, my guess is Tennessee wins like thirty percent of those games. I was making that number up a little bit, but there were so many leverage plays that Baltimore just couldn't capitalize on that basically swung the entire game. And then Tennessee basically just had all those leverage pieces go directly in their favor. So I get people don't want to hear it. I agree. People don't want to hear it. And if you're like old school football fan, you'd love it because you hate this freaking analytics stuff and you hate all this stuff and you just want so badly for the run to be established and, and like, and you know, running backs to be, and like, you want these, you want Baltimore to be these one trick ponies and whatever the hell you can hear, you can hear in my voice, man. I'm I'm going down this Twitter thing again. So I, I I don't mind. I, I really don't mind the seven and a half or KC. I think there's a world where, the clock just kind of strikes midnight on this Cinderella story and it's pumpkin time. So that's my analogy. All right, let's get yeah. into any other final before, thoughts here. Hey, um, before I, we move on. Yeah, definitely. Uh, back to that whole Baltimore thing. I just kind of looking at the numbers here a little bit. Uh, first of all, I can get right now uh, I've seen the line drop to seven on KC. So I think I might probably jump on that before it goes back up to seven and a half, but back to the Tennessee and Baltimore game, 28 to 12. Definitely. You start breaking that down. It was not that big of a blowout. Uh, possession, time of possession, Baltimore had five more minutes. First downs was 29 to 15 for Baltimore. Uh, total yards was 530 to 300. And the only thing that really got, I think, Tennessee there, um, especially when we're talking about Henry and his, his yards was three turnovers to zero. Uh, Baltimore turned it over yep. three times. Tennessee turned it over zero. It was almost like a perfect scenario for Tennessee to do what they did last week. So I'm 100% on board with you there. And didn't convert two fourth downs in situations that they almost converted the entire season. Uh, like there was just two two specific scenarios where they just couldn't complete the fourth down. That they I, their their conversion rate on that those those kind of plays had to be like something like seventy five percent this year, and they just couldn't get either. So all this little stuff, blah blah blah. I know people are gonna say, oh, you want to make all the excuses in the world for Baltimore, whatever. It's just this is just these are just facts. This is just numbers. Uh, it's black and white, so don't at me. All right, Green Bay goes into San Francisco. San Francisco started at seven-point favors, up to seven and a half. This game is a 45 over under. Green Bay running into the teeth of basically, uh, let's see, where yeah, San Francisco finished second overall in DVOA and defense, second in the pass, 11th against the run. Green Bay didn't look all that great against Seattle last week on offense. I mean, I know that they have the game plan as kind of Jones and Devontae Adams. The Jamal Williams thing ended up not really mattering for Aaron Jones. He was still very much just the full plan at running back. And at the same time, I'm struggling to see, I'm struggling even on a four-game slate to make the case for really anybody in cash on the San Francisco, excuse me, on the Green Bay side. I'll get to San Francisco. They have their own problems, but from fantasy perspective. But are you with me? I, I kind of don't want to, on a four-game slate, or two-game slate, four teams, I, I, I'm going to be hard-pressed to have any, any Green Bay guys in cash here. I 100% agree with you. Like Aaron Jones, 21 carries, 62 yards. That's only three yards per carry. He got those two touchdowns is what got him there for fantasy last week. Uh, I, I don't see it either. Uh, Rodgers is going up against, like you said, the number two DVOA pass defense. They're going to get pressure on him. Uh, they have been better against – or sorry, San Francisco has been a little bit better against the pass, so they may try and get Jones. But, I mean, I just don't see it, especially from cash games. It's more of a contrarian GPP spot for me on the Green Bay side of things. Um, I'm looking more to the San Francisco side for some pieces in cash. And so they and they wanted to target Devontae Adams a lot, and that makes sense. And But what we saw last week for San Francisco was there, and I don't know how many times they did it, but they definitely did it. So Richard Sherman this season spent almost, uh, almost all of his time lined up on the left side of the field, so covering whoever lined up on the, the – whatever wide receiver lined up on the right side of the field. 
But in the Minnesota game, they started moving him around. Um, it was almost like they kind of waited on this trick to use, and they did move him into the slot a little bit for Thielen. Um, and they, it wasn't just, they just didn't stick him out on that one side anymore. And that's what I kind of said about, I, I kind of, because looking at that data last week, I was like, oh, you know, I don't really want to, I'm going to try to avoid Richard Sherman as best as possible. And even though Minnesota likes to move its wide receivers around a lot too, I think that if they do anything this week, I'm not calling it full shadow coverage, but if you were gonna if you were gonna pick a spot to just use Richard Sherman, who by the way was like Pro Football Focus's, I believe, highest rated cornerback this season, that if they're if you're gonna pick a spot to just kind of shut someone down, can't you just see them saying, just go, just go take care of Devontae Adams, right? Like we'll deal with the rest of it. But we're gonna get you onto Adams as much as possible. Yeah, that, that's kind of I'm I'm guessing at it, but I did see them move him around enough last week that makes me feel that they are gonna do sort of the same thing here, simply because the drop off from Adams to the rest of the wide receiver core is so stark. Now, would you suggest, or would, did you see from watching that game? I didn't I didn't get to see a whole bunch of it, especially after Minnesota started going down. I started concentrating on my kids. Currently, uh, was a little disappointed, but. Was he moving to the opposite side of the field or just kind of into the slot and then back to that left side of the, the defense where he spent about 95, 98% of the time during the season? That's a good question. And I, maybe I'm speaking out of my depth here because I've long since said, like, this is not an X's and O's podcast, right? If you want an X's and O's podcast, go listen to Warren, Warren Sharp or some of these other guys. Um, I'm, not, I'm not in that mode. Um, I do know that's, and, and that's, a, and that's a good distinction to make um, because I, I'm the, look, I'm the one that threw it out there. So, and you're, you're bringing up a point that I probably hadn't really considered. And that's something I'm going to want to look into because that, because one, Adams does line up. Well, Adam, they really moved him. If you look at sort of the, the breakdown of where they lined him up this season, it really is all over the place. It's almost like 33% across the board between left, right, and slot. So I do, they do work really hard to move him into advantageous situations. So maybe it's the other thing. Maybe they're just going to move him away from Sherman as much as possible. Now, you don't, get, uh, you don't get much of a reprieve if you move into the slot because Williams is pretty good too. But the whole San Francisco defense, the whole San Francisco defense is really good. And I guess my overall point is, if I'm looking for an excuse to get away from high price guys, I can find a good reason to get away from Aaron Jones, right? I can find a good reason to get away from Devontae Adams. I can find reasons to get away from these guys. And maybe it's just not even the context that matters as much as saying, look, they just have to face the 49ers defense. So why would I even bother? And I, I'm with you there. The same situation for Adams kind of arose last week with Shaq Griffin on the other side for Seattle. He only plays, he's much like Sherman, only playing that one side of the field, like 95% of the time during the season. Um, so just looking at, like, if you go to uh, Next Gen Stats for NFL.com, you can look at those uh, route charts. Um, so it looked like they really tried to get him away from Griffin last week. But the funny thing was his two touchdowns came when he was on Griffin's side of the field. Now, looking at his charts throughout the season, it, it really looks like Green Bay um, really focuses on that from week to week, getting him away from the other team's top corner. So I can definitely see that it's going to be a heck. It's going to be one of the things I really want to watch this weekend is Adams and Sherman to see how the coaches, defensive coordinator, offensive coordinator, how they both work just to see how it goes. Cause I don't think it's just as cut and dry as saying, like you said, Sherman's going to stay on one side. I think they're going to try and obviously match him up against Adams because there's really no one else in the receiving game for Green Bay. And Green Bay knows that, you know, they might get shut down. If Jones gets shut down, they're going to have to go to Adams. So we need to move him around to get away from Sherman so he has a little bit better matchup. Because although San Francisco, uh, like Quan Williams and Richard Sherman, I think they both rated out like in the 80 to 90 range. You're looking at the PFF grades, whereas like Witherspoon on the other side of the field, he was down in the, the low 60s, I believe. So he, he's definitely not 
he's definitely still above average. I think around 60 is, is average, something like that. So he's average, but I, it's going to be really something intriguing to watch this weekend for sure. One of the best matchups I think, uh, to pay attention to. Yeah. And then, and like you said, they, they'll, they'll force, they'll force the ball to Adams. Last week he had 11 targets. Next closest was Jimmy Graham with four. Then it was Jones with two. And then it was like five guys with one, right? So like there was no wide receiver, no wide receiver in this group had more than one target last week. That's nuts. Okay, so and now yeah, Aaron Rodgers only threw the ball 27 times, but still 27 throws, and Adams gets you know what's the 45 percent or 40 percent of the target share, and then the rest of these guys get one target each. I, I, Lazard did leave the game early and then came back, so he only played ended up playing 20 snaps. So maybe you see more targets from him if he plays a full game. And then on the other side we have San Francisco, where I mean, it's like flip a coin territory with who gets the production here out of the backfield. Uh, last week, we, I, felt pretty conf- I felt pretty confident with Mostert. And it's funny, overall, my projection on Mostert's usage was actually pretty close. I think I only had him for 14 and, 14 and 2 in terms of touches. The problem was I had Tevin Coleman for like 6 and 1 or something like that, and he ended up with 22 carries. So, I mean, is, is it... How much do you want to – that has not been the case for him. This has been Mostert's – basically, Mostert's had the lion's share of the work leading up until last week. He got dinged up a little bit early, and that might have you know, led to the more of the Coleman thing, but Coleman was just also ripping off chunks of yards when he was in there. How much do you want to make out of the one-game sample size, or could you just easily see this go back to – it's like a two-and-a-half-headed monster because Coleman was had 33 snaps, Mostert had 24, and Breida had 12. So it wasn't even like Breida got his – Breida had eight carries too, right? <laughs> this is – uh, what do you want to do? Do you think people will overplay Tevin Coleman based on the one game? Or do you think that this is what San Francisco actually wants to do? Like, they want it to be Coleman. I, this was another one that I'm like, almost a little bit flummoxed about how to like sort of project this team going forward. Yeah, I'm, I like the discount with Monster. Like you said, they're, they're trying to get Monster to ball. Um, he did get hurt early. What I like about him is he's been a little bit more consistent. He's had 50-plus rushing yards in, I think, four or five straight games. Uh, sorry, it's been seven straight games since like week 13 that he blew up there against Baltimore. So I like the, the discount. I like the 4,300 price tag on DraftKings. Coleman's more of the GPP pivot, just a little bit more money. I think a lot of people may be facing him as well. Um, so I, personally, I'm going Mostert for cash, uh, Coleman for GPP builds. Yeah, I totally agree. I, I personally kind of want to go back to Mostert again. Um, I think it's okay. I think they've shown the willingness to play him. He, again, he was, he was still pretty effective on his runs last week. He was averaging five yards a carry. He just, he just didn't get into the end zone, and he just kind of lost a couple snaps, I think, because he tweaked his ankle. I want to believe that's the case. So, well, I will say Coleman did start the first series, so that's the only thing that had me a little concerned is that you know maybe it's just like who comes out running with the first team is sometimes going to be the plan too. And that definitely was Coleman. Coleman had the first rep, first team reps. So that's my concern. I don't, you know, there's, they're at a price point where running both isn't the worst thing in the world for, I think for a cash floor, just considering that I don't think you can play Aaron Jones. I think you have a Damian Williams question. We didn't even talk about Damian Williams with KC. So I think that, you know, he might still be priced into a scenario where I'm not sure you can play Mahomes, Henry, Damian Williams, and Kelsey. Uh, that one's getting a little bit closer just because Williams' price uh, did come up on both sites, as it should. He was just too cheap going into last week. But I'm with you. I kind of want to still believe in Mostert. I think that he probably sees enough usage to not totally destroy you, and it doesn't feel amazing as well. We'll finish it off real quick here on the receivers. I love Debo Samuel this week. I think he's clearly like the number one receiver, for, even for a team that doesn't throw a lot. Any final thoughts here on sort of the, the San Francisco passing game? 
Yeah, just before we go forward, I agree with you. Um, the price thing is another thing that really has me. Mostert's price dropped while Coleman's went up like over $1,000. So that really had me there as well. Um, on to the receivers. I'm 100% on board with you at Debo Samuel. He's been excellent. He's been getting, you know, the lion's share of the targets in the offense, even though, they're, you know, it's not like he's getting double digits by any means. He's getting that five, six per game. And he hasn't scored in a while, but he's he's getting the opportunity uh, over Emmanuel Sanders, which kind of shocked me a little bit last week. Um, I agree Debo had the better matchup last week, but Sanders, you know, he's got that. He's been there in the playoffs before. I, I kind of expected him to be the guy that Jimmy G kind of leaned on, but it was not. It was it was definitely Debo, and Debo has the best matchup, I believe, of any receiver here this week. Uh, A.J. Brown versus Breland is, is pretty good uh, in the Tennessee-KC game, but of the San Francisco receivers, Debo looks like he's going to face a lot of Kevin King. Um, which I really like. He's, you know, he's, he's again, he's an average uh, quarterback, but he's definitely no Tremont Williams or Jair uh, Alexander. So if he sees most of his work against King, I'm definitely on Debo Samuel, especially at his price. Yeah, I think you just got to make some receiving concessions. He's 6,300 on FanDuel. I think you can live with that at five or six targets. I think that's fine. He's 5,500 on DraftKings. You can definitely live with it there. Again, you don't need overwhelming target share. It's just a very top-heavy week. I think that's what we're looking at. We're looking at an incredi incredibly top-heavy week in terms of the overall highest projected points. In some ways, that makes it easy, I think, right? Like, in, like I would say, maybe I was coming in thinking it was harder than this was. Maybe this is, maybe this is just easier than it is. It's like you just prioritize these three guys, or maybe even four if you want to throw Damian Williams in there. You prioritize these four guys. And then you just kind of live with the, you, you do business with what's left, right? <laughs> and what's with what's left might look weird. Again, might be Demarcus Robinson. It might be McCole Hardman. It might be Corey Davis or Tajay Sharp or Johnny Smith. And I think that's just fine. I think trying to find value in the middle tier is probably the more difficult venture this week. Whereas finding, knowing at least the team's plans at the upper end, uh, maybe, maybe, maybe the teams have just made it easier for us. Easier in a way that I didn't really kind of pick up on and I should have quicker. All right. Buddy, thanks for jumping on us. We're going to get out of here. DailyFantasySportsRankings.com is the site. DFSR.com for short. DFSR.com slash deals will get you started on our projection system. That's optimal lineups for NFL, FanDuel, and DraftKings. So we have another week of that. We have one, a single game optimizer down the pike here as well. So you'll be all set up for the Super Bowl. But it's also going to cover you for NBA and NHL projections, which Chris, Chris absolutely crushes the NHL projections. NBA has been doing great this season. It's all covered under one subscription package. So dfsr.com slash deals will get you started there. Buddy, thanks for the spot start out of the bullpen. You crushed it. Uh, good luck this weekend. Enjoy the football. Good luck, everyone.